0: To say that podcast for your big questions get real answers my name is matt king i'm your host here in the city of chicago joining us here is jed brewer hello with us all the way from roker's tennessee is lee younger
1: i am by the magic of the internet i'm here with you
0: that's right we are on al gore's very own internet to bring you another wonderful show we got some more great questions from you but first we have to start off with i'm gonna dub these two stories together as a bit of a an effort was made emergency. Oh, I love <laughs> should effort. effort have been made. Who knows? Probably not. So we, we talked in the last episode about, uh, some mega church fashion. Mm. And we have another story from the mega church that came out of Holy Week. And that is the reappearance of Mark Driscoll.
1: Oh my. Oh, <laughs> not only is Jesus back, Mark's back. <laughs>
0: some of you from previous seasons may remember the character of Mark Driscoll as resigning in disgrace and then taking down a whole megachurch network with him. I do remember. Now I do. And this is a weird sentence. I'm going to say out loud. I do want to be fair to Mark Driscoll because you out there may hear megachurch uh, scandal and not remember which one this was and best it best. It has been reported that we know There's no, um, reports of sexual abuse. There's no reports of anything illegal happening. This dude was just such a giant jackass that his church went under. (laughs) That's the only, like no one's saying like embezzling or whatever. Just like he bought his own books and got busted on that. And then it was like, he was just such a jerk to everybody that church stopped happening in Seattle. I mean, that's impressive.
1: (laughs) So like. Because that was the reason that the whole thing collapsed. Like him coming back, we can't even do the gritty reboot.
0: He was already that guy. Yeah, Yeah. he was already. And this is a real thing. uh, Making anonymous posts on the internet as William Wallace the Second about I don't know (laughs) manliness or something. Wow. Sure. Again, and I made the point at the time as someone who is of Scottish ancestry has been to Scotland. As owned to kilt. Uh William Wallace, he was just good at, at killing people who were a different nationality than him. Let's not let's not go nuts with valorizing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all agree that Mr. Gibson is a very talented filmmaker, but maybe we should not onboard too many of his ideas about other things.
2: I mm. have no idea what you might mean, sir.
0: Me either. So uh, not only is Mark Driscoll back, he's at a church in Arizona because like an old-timey medicine man, he got run out of the Pacific Northwest and threw everything in a wagon and went out west to Arizona. You've died of dysentery. <laughs> That's right. To try it in a new town. And I, we, I encourage you to search Mark Griscoll on Twitter, which I normally would not uh, encourage you to do, and search through the images because uh, a young lady named Stephanie Drury at stuff CC likes on Twitter. I don't follow her, but you know, so I can't vouch for the whole account, but I can vouch for the glory of one image of Mark Driscoll who bless him. Um, I look and'm I'm, I'm a larger gentleman I can I can um, I think feel like I can say this in solidarity. He is wearing a button down shirt where the kind of middle chest button is doing a lot of work only way i can think to put this um so but he's standing there on the stage with the worship team and there are three kind of pyro sparklers just kind of going
2: sure sure
0: and the thing about this image and i'll I'll put it on the the episode image with the social media post and this goes up is um it's not, a, it's not mega enough to be mega. Yeah. And in the interim, it's just really kind of sad. Yeah. Matt,
1: it's serving me vibes from uh, the Thor Ragnarok where Jeff Goldblum says, ooh, his little fingers make sparkles.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. For me, it has the vibe of, imagine your middle school basketball team was trying to redo like the big Chicago, Michael Jordan, yeah. Chicago bulls entrance. Yeah. yeah. But and due now. to fire regulations, they just had two dads standing there with like Roman candles <laughs> instead of the full thing. It's kind of that. And then you've got the, uh, the band, which we know enough about mega church and I don't want to, the mega church world. And I don't want to, uh, break anyone's illusions here to know that probably at least a few of these people are hired guns Oh, yes. are, uh, Uh, professional musicians at megachurch That's They do that. It's perfectly fine. But if you do some zooming around on this photo, like one might in a Renaissance painting to find uh, individual faces, you see a lot of people unimpressed with the thing they are doing on a stage. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's a, if you look all the way to the far uh, left of the image, there's a guitar player who is behind two of these pyrotechnics and if I could describe his facial expression, it would be this beats guitar center. Yeah. Just <laughs> here to play both these services and get out, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like one of the
2: saddest things in the world is a low budget music video that wants to be high budget.
0: Oh right? yeah.
2: 'Cause like you know, the thing for for a lot of bands, there's a lot of, of good bands out there that that aren't on big labels, and there's a lot of bands that put in a lot of creativity and they um, you know, they make a music video, but they do interesting creative things with it that's not dependent on having a million dollars and it's something really cool and it's a piece of art and you should enjoy it. But there's a lot of people that like they watched a Motley Crue music video from the late eighties where there was just a wall of Marshall amps and there was a drum set that went upside down that had 50 pieces in it, you know, and there was a supermodel on top of a Lamborghini and, you know, all these kind of things. And it's like, that's what we need to do. We have $50 and my brother's camcorder let's go. (laughs) And it's, it's bad. It's always, but it's a specific kind of bad. This also exists in the hip hop world, by the way, Um, you know, like, and it's one of these deals of like, dude, if, if the genre that you're imitating is a genre built on having access to millions of dollars and you don't, you may need to do something different because otherwise this will just be a sad form of hilarious. And that's, that's how all of this with, with this particular setup with brother Driscoll strikes me.
0: Yeah, you know, there, there's a thing where uh, a lot of, if you look in there, kind of IMDb is a lot of very, very successful directors started out in horror movies. Yeah. And my understanding of that is the reason is because horror movies are cheap. Yep, 100%. Um, So, you know, if you've, if you've got a limited budget, limited experience, if you want to make your, your little indie picture horror movies, or you might get, you know, a dramatic picture that's basically, you know, people talking in front of a field. Um if you only had a a few thousand bucks to make a movie, you probably wouldn't want to try to make like a high fantasy epic. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that this kind of has the feel of like local theater. That's like, yep. Well, should we do like Oklahoma or just, you know, something kind of nice and easy. And somebody who just kind of waiting for Guffman style was like, you know what we could do? We can do something with explosions.
1: Yeah. That's
0: great. Yeah. It's explosively good. I mean, can we, Gary? I get that you have a vision, but what if we did not that?
2: That sounds like quitter talk to me, Matt.
0: Indeed it is. That's why I don't succeed in the performing arts.
1: Look. Jesus didn't rise from the dead for you to be too scared to have fire indoors, Matthew.
0: Well, that brings me to an interesting point. Because the the main question when you hear Mark is open another church is why? Yes, yeah.
1: yes.
2: Because
0: we already did this. We kind of saw how it ended. But the fire makes me think this might all be an insurance scam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, kind of in a, I'm picturing, like, kind of a Breaking Bad style, or kind of Breaking Bad, meets Righteous, Gemstones, kind of B-plot of, like, he's just desperately trying to set this building on fire, and it keeps not happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the sparklers only went 12 feet up, Matt. The ceiling is obviously at 24 feet.
0: And then somebody walking in, like, what are you doing there, Pastor?" He's got a pocket knife, like, trying to saw it, power cords. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> So they, it looks, it looks like rat nod on them.
2: You know, as, as I'm looking at this picture, right? Like I'm, I don't know that the following is true, but I've been to a lot of concerts in my life and I've also played a lot of underwhelming concerts, which I think may have some similarities to what we're looking at here. And like, there's, there's a view of a crowd where like your buddy wanted it to make like it was a packed house. And so he found the best angle that he could to make it look like there was a lot of people there when he took the photo of your show, but there's not really that many people there. And if you've been to a lot of concerts, you can kind of tell, cause that's not what a packed crowd looks like. And that's exactly how this photo looks is your buddy went to the show and wanted it to look packed when it's really not wasn't there could be wrong, but it has that exact vibe.
0: Yeah, another vibe I get a big whiff off of in this, and this comes in many, many um, arenas. I've never played in a band, both both Lee and, and Jed have. I imagine it happens in there. Again, a lot of my experience in watching uh, live performance comes from professional wrestling. I know it happens there. Also, as someone who, as I know Lee has, has done a lot of like young life skits and stuff and program over the years, there's the look on someone's face of, I thought this was going to feel a lot cooler.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like they were drawing it up and, you know, the cord will hit and the sparkles will go off and there's that look of, huh? Well, well there was a lot more fire in my mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's something.
0: It is. It is something. And that brings me to something else I want to cover. Which is another bit of uh, Christian performing art, uh, so Ooh. by putting something out into the world. This one comes to us in the world of cinema, and by cinema, I mean a 2012 short film Ooh. called "Fight." We we found this via uh, my wife sending to me a TikTok she found of a very much uh, not in the target demographic of this evangelical Christian short film, gentlemen doing a hilarious review, which has since been pulled. It appears it got a copyright struck. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll read the plot synopsis from IMDb fight, a 20 minute film for 2012. A man struggles with his lust and addiction to pornography. Some wars are fought on the battlefield, some on the open sea, but some of the greatest battles are fought in the mind. And you dear listener again, may, may hear that and think, Ah, Battle of the Mind, it's going to be, you know, a very introspective piece. Uh, you know, a lot of just long shots of a man in turmoil coming to to terms with complicated uh topics of desire and the ways the human body is commodified and the culture that he is part of and what it means to have true intimacy versus uh a fast food version that is a cheap substitute for actual love and connection. Nope. Uh, He uh, has a literal boxing match with the devil about whether or not he's going to look at porn. (laughs) 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 And we've all seen the, the video, a review before it got taken down. So I will let these guys share some of their favorite parts. But my favorite part by far was they, they, it's like the thing and his wife leaves and then they show his, there's a cut from his face. And there's a cut to their totally square, like this movie was made in 2012, but clearly we went down to like a pawn shop or something and got a 1998, remember when uh, secondary computer monitors used to be entirely square? Oh yeah. Companies like Gateway, if you remember that and these kind of things.
1: I was thinking the word Gateway.
0: And, but it made a cut to this and the cut and the music sting were as if they were cutting to the knife in Psycho. It's like a real staccato sting and a real just like jarring cut. And it's like CRT monitor, the most evil thing we can imagine.
1: That's right. <laughs> well, to, to, to play off of that, he he goes, you know, he goes ahead and to win this battle takes the uh, the tower of this 1998 gateway out to the driveway and smashes it on the ground. The the guy doing the TikTok says, "Oh, look at how happy his wife is that he's destroying their thousand dollar investment." <laughs> as if, as if his struggle with pornography only lives in that particular machine. Once that and gear now it's is over. busted, it's gone forever. <laughs> we did it. It's a foolproof strategy. We won, guys. <laughs> it's over.
0: You guys remember when the like that was every uh third post on the internet or like men's conference or whatever it was about you have to go out and smash your computer with a baseball bat, oh yeah, you know you can like just scrub hard drives and then inner city uh, schools need computers, right guys
1: right
2: <laughs> i I don't know what those words mean, Matthew
0: I know you don't, buddy, And that's okay. <laughs> Here's the, the fascinating thing I'm looking at now. Um, so again, uh, the TikTok got pulled down, which is very funny. It's a shame. I also searched for, so I went to Google, see, so like well, maybe I'll find a trailer or something. Uh, if it appears someone's trying to scrub this from the internet, <laughs> because if you search "fight 2012," which the movie came out, the only thing that comes up is the IMDb, which only has the description I read you, and uh, doesn't even have an image, and it has one review
2: yeah yeah wow. you know he, here's something that's funny about that so i've I've made some short films in the past, not this one, but I've made some short films in the past and um in Jed's short film, the computer wins the fight <laughs> <laughs> so um one of the early ones that I made you know is a little kind of action suspense movie, and there's there's a hitman in it, and um. Uh, a a buddy of mine, you know, was willing to to be in it. And he's, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of sort of the bad guy. Um, But like by design in the story, like the, the footage of him is not very flattering because it's not supposed to be. And so he reached out to me a couple years after we did the movie. And he's like, hey, like when people Google my name, a still frame from that film is literally the first thing that comes up. Um, oh my gosh. And that's not that's not great for my job search. So like. Can you do something about that? And I was just like, oh, dude, of course. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm going to get right on that. I'll do whatever I can. I can't tell you why. You can scrub stuff from anywhere on the internet other than IMDb. IMDb is forever. If you make a crappy film, it's forever. You're never getting it to go away. Live with your decisions, filmmakers. You oh knew what God. this was. You made a decision. Live with your decision.
0: I feel like that should be like... One of IMDb's monetization strategies because IMDb is one of those websites where I always wonder, like, how I mean, I guess there's ads on it, and I think there's like a pro thing you can sign up for, probably if you're in the entertainment industry, but how do they make money? And maybe it'd be one of, like just blackmail. Yeah, that's just, right. Oh, you want the image that's removed it. from this? Pay up.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. um Well, it makes sense because uh, that maybe he wants to scrub because I'm looking at the other uh, work of the writer director of Mm. fight 2012 and uh they all seem to be of a kind
2: i have no idea what you might mean sir
0: well uh we have 20 also in 2012 he was very busy or not because it doesn't look like he took a lot of effort to make uh till death do his part when a man settles for divorce god uses one last request from his wife to send him an extreme wake-up call She asks him to carry her from their bedroom to the front door every morning during the last month that they are together. Is her request simply trying to irritate him, or is there something deeper that she's trying to convey? Yeah. Somehow that's (laughs) weirder than boxing match with the devil.
1: Yeah, like... (laughs) Things that don't work for actual life problems.
0: Yeah, that's like... And also, there's not even any, like, weird like angels in the outfield thing where there's some reason he has to do it. Yeah. Like I won't, uh, you won't get the car in the divorce. If you don't, it was like, you, okay, but you have to carry me. What? No, (laughs) this is a legal document. We're dissolving. What do you, what do you mean? I have to carry you around.
1: Yeah. This isn't an ancient Greek myth.
0: I do. I I do like the idea of a bold, dark re uh, kind of reimagining. Can we make a reboot of this where the devil wins the boxing match?
2: I don't think we cannot do that.
0: <laughs> and it has like an actual Christian message. Cause at the end it's just like, yeah, it's fine, dude. Just, you know, put the computer in the, in the living room and, uh, talk to your wife. Maybe some, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, the guy's getting his, his head kicked in and then he tags in a couples therapist who hits the, uh, and thereby defeats the devil. uh if it were up to me all movies would end with a surprise tag yes it would uh yeah i just think it yeah i just think it would it would spice things up that's all i'm saying just
1: just a face turn by the devil
0: yep every every movie should end with a hot tag (laughs) we're gonna get ricky morton a lot more work once again Joke's only for my friend, Justin and Rob. How you guys doing? All right. We're going to tap out of this. If you find any information on the internet about fight 2012, please seek it out. It's hilarious. But apparently also it's something that to steal one of Jed's bits, they don't want you to know.
2: At, that's right. That's right. I, I believe our director, cause I'm, I'm looking at some of his other movies and like, I, I think that he's decided to make a career change and just doesn't really want, People
0: talking about this anymore. Well, uh, we applaud that decision <laughs> and we wish that more people who made the movies we talk about on this show would do that. <laughs> Maybe find a trade, something like that. It'd be lovely. We're going to move on to your fine questions. If you have a question for us, you can house all the way to the end or scroll down to your episode descriptions, find the links there where you can send them in. Our first question comes in and says, I've started some new things at work and it's going very well. I feel like I'm picking things up easily. This has made me worried. I'm going to get arrogant and that that will lead to bad things. How do I avoid that? And what's the right amount of confidence when things seem to be going well? I I think it's a cool question. I think it's a very interesting take on um, uh, succeeding at things and how that can have its own pitfalls, but doesn't necessarily have to we're talking about the narrative kind of narrative stuff there. And I think that pride goes before a fall narrative is really, really beat into a lot of us in a way that can take away from just enjoying when things seem to be uh, going pretty smoothly. But Jed, where would we start with this?
2: Well, I think that with so much of life and, and this applies to all of the spiritual life, but it, it applies to like life, life too. Like if when in doubt land on humility, uh, it is it is almost impossible to if as long as you're talking about true humility, it's almost impossible to to make a wrong turn if we're coming from a place of humility. So what is humility? Well, humility is having a sense of who you are, strengths and weaknesses, both and accepting it. Um, it means neither overselling your strengths or underselling your weaknesses. You know, having a sense of this is this is who I am. This is these are my proclivities. These are the things that I'm that I'm good at. This is the extent to which I'm good at them. And in the context of your job, humility is about saying, look, I know what I know, but I also don't know what I don't know, Uh, and that both of those matter. And that's actually the balance that you want. Um, If you think about this from the perspective of um, the person who employs you for a second, and this is really important because no matter what kind of job you have anywhere in the world, uh, HR can say whatever they want. The actual job is to keep your boss happy. Everywhere you go, at every job, everywhere in the world, that is the actual job is to keep your boss happy. If you pretend like you don't know the things that you do know, that's not going to make the boss happy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if they want you to, you know, file TPS reports and you totally know how to do it, but every time they ask you to do one, you're like, well, sir, I just want to make sure I don't mess anything up. So if you could just walk me through this again, just, you know, to make sure, like, I mean, if it's your first week on the job, maybe, but if you've been there a year and you definitely know how to do it, that's just going to read as weird. You know I mean? Like that, that's not gonna make the boss happy, but if they ask you to do something new that you definitely don't know how to do and you pretend like you do and you mess it up, that will also not make the boss happy. So the, the in-between is humility. The in-between is here are the things that I know that I'm confident in them. Here are the things that I definitely don't know. I'll need guidance on them. I'll need help. I'll need instruction. And here's the stuff that's in the middle. I know aspects, you know, but I, I, I don't know other aspects. If you want to be able to get in that place and stay in that place, the, here's the key thing. This, this is the magic deal, which is don't let your ego become involved. Mm. That's really the important thing. It doesn't make you like a better or more valuable person that you know how to do certain things at your job. And it doesn't make you a worse or less valuable human being that there's other stuff you don't know how to do. Yeah. It's just, it's just skills, man. You've been trained on some stuff. You haven't been trained on other stuff. And and that's true in like every line of work that there is. So ego, that sense of wanting to, you know, make ourselves look better than we really are, or maybe, you know, wanting to safeguard our, our image either to ourselves or others, that's what's going to tempt us away from humility. But the, the beautiful thing is humility, like true humility, not, you know, beating up on yourself is not humility, true humility is kind of self-reinforcing because it actually helps you deal with that ego too. You know, it, it, it allows you to say both to yourself and others, Hey, I've got some things I know and I'm pretty good at, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to get in there and do them. i got some stuff that are new to me and I'm gonna need some help with that. Um, that none of that makes me better than you or worse than you is just, you know, it's just a job, but I'm sure that I can do it, man. If you do that, if you land and stay in that place of humility, you're gonna do great.
0: Absolutely agree. I think that's a fantastic place to start things off. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think Jed starts us off in really solid footing of um, doing well is not what leads to uh, arrogance or humility in the same way that there's a lot of people who uh, don't do well at something who are not humble about it at all, believe it or not. Um, But it is those other things that either flow from that or can go along with that if we don't think about it too hard. Do we have any other kind of examples or thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, you know there's a weird
1: little part of our culture where there is a, it's prized to like, to, you know, to sell yourself short. Jed talked about this a little bit at the beginning that it's kind of a false humility or it's kind of a, this is, this person's got their head on straight. If they, if, if I'm constantly saying how much I suck at something. Um, and the, some of the ideas behind that kind of mode of thinking are like, well, if I, if I, undersell and over deliver, then people will be more pleased. So I'm going to undersell myself. And then, and then if I, you know, perform in an acceptable way, then everybody's going to be so so shocked and, and they're going to be super duper pleased with that. None of that stuff is actually very helpful. A really refreshing thing. And, and I think the word refreshing is, is the exactly, the exact right word here. It's a refreshing thing when you meet somebody who, in a true humility sense of the word, knows why they're awesome. Like, not in a way to brag about it, not in a way that make anybody else feel bad, but like, hey, this is the thing that I can do. I can do this well. I'm prepared for this task. I can rock this, and I'm going to do it. I think I, I think it's a really cool thing for for people to be comfortable with the idea that I do have certain gifts, I do have certain experience, I do have certain skills, and i can deliver on those things it would be it would be untrue to say that i suck in this area or whatever feeling good about the fact that you can do certain things that's positive feeling good about the fact that you can, you know that you accomplish some goal that you were some task that you were set all of that is good stuff i think a really cool question on the end of this is like what is the point of the uh, or the results of the ways in which I am awesome. Um, not in an arrogant way, but like the, the skills that I've developed, uh, the gifts that I have, the things that are cool about me, what is the result or the point of that? Is there a way that I can serve other people, that I can um, you, know, you know, develop myself, but also not make other people feel bad about themselves, but also actually serve other people and do some good? if i can do that in a way that exactly like jed's talking about i'm not i'm not rubbing it in anybody's face or anything like that but i am actually making the world a better place because i'm serving other people and i'm quite comfortable with the fact that i'm good at this um i'm 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 not advertising that as like i'm good at this and you suck but i'm also not going around saying no 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 i suck i suck i suck so that when i actually do something well you're so impressed or whatever but i think if the result of this is I'm comfortable with the fact that I've got some things about me that are cool and I've got some things that I can do. And also I'm going to use that to serve you and make the world a better place. That is a really, really cool and refresh, refreshing thing to meet up with in the world right now.
0: I think that's absolutely right. One one thing I would add on to this, the really great stuff these guys have given you is when something makes you feel uncomfortable, even if it's a positive thing, uh, there's a very strong temptation to not look at it any further. Um, Totally understandable. Again, it happens in all walks of life. But that's rarely the he- most helpful instinct. And I think that comes into play in maybe an unexpected way in this scenario, which one of the things you could do that actually might be helpful is think about why this is coming easily to you. Um, Both because it's good to have a sense of, of what you're good at and what you're not good at. That's helpful in life. It's certainly helpful in a work perspective. But the the other reason is, I think if you if you kind of pull back and think about, okay, why did this, why am I doing well at this, why this can easily be, you're probably going to land at an answer other than because of my intrinsic and undeniable awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's probably going to be, oh, this dovetails with something I did at a previous job or, right. you know, we're talking about, you know, I work a customer service job and they're talking and I got complimented for being really good with the customers. And I, I just feel like I'm just kind of a naturally gregarious person. And that just, that part just comes easy to me because there's nobody for whom everything comes easy. So in the same way, if one thing came was difficult for you, it wouldn't mean that you just suck forever and nothing's ever going to be good again. In the same way, if the first few tasks at this, these new job roles happen to be come to you pretty naturally, uh, that doesn't mean everything's ever going to come to you naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's fine too. You but as these guys point out, nothing wrong with enjoying this now, but putting a little thought into you know what what's going on here? Why is this coming easily? You know, why wh- it will uh do you well in that. One, again, it's good to think about that. And maybe, as these guys are pointing out, you do want to perform well at your job, so you can find more tasks like that. You can if you have something that's difficult for you, you can try to Think about it through the lens of the thing that that you are really good at. But um if you have the eyes to see a task or a set of tasks or a set of skills as neutral, as these guys are saying, you know, these are skills you have already developed or come easy to you or whatever, like that's not a moral or intellectual uh, you know, just level that you have hit that uh the 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 rest of the people just haven't because you've ascended to a higher plane of being. It just, you know, something came pretty well to you. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it doesn't a lot of times as we talk about on the show about some negative things, it kind of doesn't mean anything beyond what it is. Right. You know, I, they showed me how to do this task in Excel and it just clicked. Okay. That doesn't mean you're, you're a wizard who sees, you know, the matrix and how all the pivot tables come together at all times. It just means it's clicked.
1: Speak for yourself, Matt.
0: Lee is an Excel wizard, and it's a, it's kind of a weird monkey paw situation where he has chosen the least Excel job in the history of the world. <laughs> That's how he hides his secret power. But if he wanted to, he could V-look up so many of the deep problems in this world away, but there's just no way to connect the Pro Tools to the Excel. If you try to do that, your computer will just explode. <laughs> Actually, having run both of those programs, that might be true, but not for any That's, metaphysical yeah. reason. Just because I don't know that anyone's built a machine with enough RAM to run both Pro Tools and Excel at the same time. Right. Yep. But again, it, it. I think it is when you have a strong feeling, even if it's one of unease. There, there's a an a natural inclination to think that a strong feeling means something, and sometimes it just means you're uncomfortable. And if you look at the situation a little more uh, dryly it just is what it is, which is great. Uh, Something came easy. Awesome. Something else will be hard, you know, and you'll, if you don't try to read those greater narratives, it is really will help be helpful both ways. Move on to our next question here. It comes in and says, I know everyone's had a tough couple of years, but I feel like I had a fairly easy time compared to a lot of people. I know how do I process this kind of guilt that I feel about that? Another very cool question. And I think, A feeling that may be going around quite a bit in the ether as we, uh, Lord willing, round out of maybe the COVID-dominated era. But Lee, where would we start off with kind of processing this? Maybe, I don't mean in a literal sense, survivor guilt, because maybe you don't even know any past, but just that feeling that I got out of this scot-free for kind of no real reason.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you wrote this question in, and I I do think, like Matt said, this is something that a lot of people are experiencing. And I'm also glad that you just trusted us with the honesty of of just kind of exposing, like, hey, I'm I'm feeling this thing. I would inspect the word guilt here, and and I want to push back a little bit and say, I know it's what it feels like, but the word guilt literally means that you would be guilty of something; that there is something that you did. Um, that you that you manipulated the situation in such a way that you had an easy time during a global health crisis where other people had a hard time, and if I could, I mean I would love to just go ahead and release you i, I can't i can't make you flip the switch on your emotional state, but I would love to release you from this idea that you in some way controlled this, and what I would like to encourage you to do is you know, you feel this way, you feel this bad feeling because people had a terrible time and you, relative to them, did not have as terrible a time. I would like to, to get you to in- interrogate that emotion with the word why. And I want you to use the word why on the bad time that other people had and the good the, or the relatively easy time that you had. Um, that's going to be our interrogation word. Why did they have a hard time versus why did you have, in comparison, what you're calling an easier time? When you start to just factually answer those questions, what you realize is that your relatively smooth road and other folks' hard time were both, both of those things were fueled by external factors that were completely out of your control. Um, they didn't do something, uh, you know, most people, um, you know, some people may have made choices that caused them to have a terrible time. A lot of the people that had terrible, terrible times during this, during the past two years, it was external factors that was completely and totally out of their control. And your relatively smooth road, most of all of that has come through external factors that was out of your control. I say that to say this, you actually don't have anything to feel guilty about. And other people don't have... You know, anything that they could point to and say, I did this to myself. Some people certainly made some choices that may have caused them to have a terrible time. But what I'm driving at is this I think that if you can interrogate some of the things that you're feeling with the why question and realize that a lot of this comes down to things that you didn't actually have a lot of control over, it could move you toward another feeling, which I think would be a good one to to lean into, which is, just gratitude, and i I have had a you know a, a relatively easy time through this thing that's something to be thankful for, and it's something to maybe aim some gratitude towards the lord and and if if that's where you are, and then take that sense of gratitude and say, "Now how can I turn my attention to others who maybe haven't had a as good a time?" And how, how can I help folks out? How could I serve other people? I think gratitude and service is the goal that we want to start to move towards. Now, we talk a lot on this show about the difference between ideal and real. I'm not landing at that place right now. I can't flip a switch and go towards just access, gratitude, and service. But I think that we want to start to journey on the road towards gratitude and service and process through some of this idea that that you have you have caused this and that you should feel guilty.
0: I think it's the perfect place to start. And Jed, love you get you to pick us up there because I think um, Lee's reasoning is, is spot on and expands even beyond the exact subject we're talking about. Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's use another word and it's, it's a loaded word, but it actually, it, it describes perfectly your question and everything, all of Lee's excellent advice, which is to say, you feel like you have had privilege here. There's all kinds of reasons why, but but you have had privilege and you see that other people have not had it and you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And I get that. I, I want to offer a couple things for you to, to think about. But like one of the things that's consistent that, that comes up in the Bible a lot, and particularly if you read the message translation, which if you haven't, you should. It's awesome. You should read the message translation. It's great. Maybe don't read the KJV. Read the message translation. It's really, really good. It's super great. But this comes up throughout the New Testament, especially in the message translation, is, dude, if you want to figure out where God is moving, it's a life where you have enough freedom to stop thinking only about yourself all the time. And if you want to figure out where kind of sin and the ways of the world are, it's a life where you basically only think about yourself all the time. Mm. Like, this this is one of the big acid tests. Here, here's how that applies to your situation guilt is all about you. The feeling of guilt, the processing of a sense of guilt, it's all about you. You are the center of your universe. You may be feeling a sense of sorrow and regret, but it's still all about you. Lee points out rightly, you probably don't have any reason to feel guilty, but the feeling of guilt is still all about you. This this is an entirely self-focused thing. And so Let's suppose for a second that you have had a form of privilege in your life and and you're feeling bad because, like, why should I get this good thing and other people didn't? Why should it be all about me? But then the solution that your brain is proposing is to continue to make life be all about you. We've gone from privileges that are all about you to an emotional state that's all about you. The way forward, as Lee has already suggested, is to begin asking Whatever privileges I have, how can I use those to help other people? Mm -hmm. How can I use those to lighten other people's loads? These are very, very, very different things. Feeling bad about your privilege and using your privilege to help other people are very different things. And I also want to propose one other thing for you to think about. When you've been given something... You, From a scriptural standpoint, you have a responsibility to be a good steward with it. You have a responsibility to, to use it the way that, that God wants it used. And you, you're probably familiar with, um, you know, stories like Jesus and the rich young ruler where he says, you know, this one thing you lack, take all that you have and sell it and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Right. Some kinds of riches you can't just sell and give away. And privilege is one of those. Most forms of privilege, you can't just sell and then you don't have it anymore. You wake up tomorrow and you still have it. Did you have access to a good education when you were growing up? That's a huge privilege. You can't undo that. Like, you can't wake up tomorrow and renounce your education and then you didn't have it anymore. You still, you have all the facts in your brain. You still have the the ability to think analytically and critically. You still have all the connections to all the people that you knew through your education. Like. You can't just not have it anymore. And so the idea of, but it makes me feel bad, then the way forward is to use it to help other people. Mm. If, if, if you just had a million dollars sitting in a bank, then yeah, you could just, you could cut a check to somebody and then I don't have it anymore and I don't have to worry about it and I'm off the hook. But there's actually a lot of gifts that God has given you where you don't have that option. You don't have the ability to just give it away once and then never deal with it again. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to find that you're still rich. Because there are ways that you are rich that are not going away, and that's going to happen the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. But what's also going to happen, which Jesus told you would happen, is the poor will still be with you. You will wake up tomorrow and there will be people in need, and you will wake up the day after that and there will be people in need, and you'll wake up after that and there will be people in need. And the Christian life, when it comes to service, is about embracing each day, I still have privilege that I can share with other people I still have wealth that on this day I can give away, and there are still people who need it on this day. If you can dig it, your guilt will get in the way of that. Your guilt will actually keep you from living that out because it puts all the focus back on you rather than on other people. The thing I love about your question is your heart is to be there for other people. Don't let that guilt get in the way embrace the creativity that is inherent in generosity and figure out how to share your privilege and let it benefit other people one day at a time
0: a uh, beautifully beautifully put the creativity inherent in generosity is a great yeah. way to think about that and that is exactly the the right way to think about this going forward um you know there's the the verse in Matthew where Jesus says that the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike and I think a lot of the time we hear that mentioned, it is focusing on that uh the the just part we are casting ourselves in the in the role of the just and bad things do happen to uh bad things happen to good people, and that's just kind of part of life, which is entirely true, but it is also true that the rain falls on the unjust, and one of the interesting interpretations of that verse is in an agrarian society, which it was, rain's a really good and helpful thing. Yeah. you de- If you grow your own crops, you definitely need rain. That is a, a blessing from l- the literal heavens, and it falls on the unjust just as much as it falls on uh, the just. So sometimes we need to, and I don't mean unjust uh, judgmentally, not that you, you know, did anything and you, you escaped the consequence of this, but just... Sometimes really good things happen that you don't deserve. Sometimes you you get out of something by the skin of your teeth. And as these guys have pointed out, as Lee pointed out, the immediate uh, correct reaction to that and the most helpful one is gratitude. And then as Jed points out, uh, gratitude is uh, developed and perfected when you find a way to give something away to someone else to make someone else's life better. That is part of the journey of gratitude and exactly where we want to go on this kind of thing move on to our final question here it comes in and says James 1, 13 says God does not tempt anyone I've been taught that he does tempt us or he allows the devil to tempt us which feels like kind of the same thing what does this verse actually mean and a- another very cool question we like when people uh we definitely like when people dig into uh kind of biblical cliches or something they've heard and dig under that and this is almost kind of the opposite thing there's a very clear Bible verse here but It does conflict with a lot of what you may have heard from a pulpit or read in a book, at least being implied. So, Jed, where do we kick off with this?
2: Great question. Uh, This is my view. You don't have to take it for yourself, but it's my view. I think this verse is mostly about taking responsibility for your own decisions. Uh, And that is, generally speaking, a good thing and generally leads to good outcomes. Uh, All three of us on this podcast have been involved for a long time in helping professions. And one of the biggest red flags in the world is when someone's like, well, I mean, I would love to take these steps that would totally make my life better, but there's all these things, man. I mean, I, I, I would love to. Look, I would love to get my act together and make their, but Zeus won't let me, y'all. I'm under a <laughs> curse. The cosmos itself is inspiring against me. I just, I can't. All three of us have heard versions of that like 10,000 times, and um, that, that person is, um, they're not going to do great.
0: Like, I do love the character of an extremely southern guy who still buys into the Greek pantheon.
2: Yes. Right? I, I was pretty pleased with that. I was pretty yeah. pleased with that. Uh, Since I went out of my way to praise the message translation in the last question, we're going to read that passage together in the message translation where it reads, Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust." Lust gets pregnant has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Very poetic language, very interesting. Here's what that's saying to me. God is not your problem. Dude, I don't know how many people I've talked to where their basic intention is, well, God's out to get me. No, he's not. I don't know what to tell you on this. God is not your problem, dude. You are. Like, Uh, when you look at the screw-ups in your life, you know what the common denominator is in all of them? You. Now, I don't say that unkindly because the common denominator in all of my screw-ups is me. So I had some
0: great ideas, Jed. Some great thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Only someone would have given me a chance.
1: I could do a lot of things if I had some money. Yeah,
2: look. The, the, this, the person, the one person who was there for all your screw-ups was you. And mm. I know that because the exact same thing is true for me. God is not your problem. And I this is the part that's really critical, and it's, I don't want to hear it, and no one wants to hear it, but, like, this is good news. And the reason it's good news is I can do something about me. I yeah. can't change the mind, the ineffable mind of an infinite God. But I can do less stupid stuff. Like, if I'm cursed by the cosmos, then there's no hope. I'm just a sad sack who's never going to go anywhere. But if if I make slightly less dumb decisions, then I'm not screwed. I can do better stuff and get better outcomes. That's better for me. And per the themes that we've been on on this show, it's better for everyone else, too. Like, one of the things that I would encourage you to do, and then I'll get off my soapbox, is, like, I love the language Lee was using a minute ago talking about, you know, this is the question we're going to use to interrogate is interrogate the theology that people feed you mm, of like, mm. where does this lead? Where does this go? Because if what people are basically telling you is, oh, you don't have any agency in your own life. Life just happens to you and you just you just put up with it. Really? Really? You want me to live that way? Like, it's demonstrably untrue. But you want me to live that way where I am purely just a passive participant in my own life? Because that's the theology that you're describing. That That's where that goes. So, like, I'm not going to be doing that. The more that we learn to interrogate the theology that people are giving us and to compare it to what, what does the Bible actually say and what does common sense say, the better we're going to land on. And in this case, taking responsibility for your own decisions is good stuff. At least, to good outcomes. We should all do that. God is not out to get you
0: an excellent, excellent place to start to take it back to the, uh, the movie part of the emergency. The problem isn't anything with me. It's just that I have this computer in my house. That's the problem. <laughs> and a baseball bat will fix it.
1: <laughs> and it will lead me to win the boxing match. <laughs>
0: and, and despite uh, many, uh, every different variation of every man's battle book series, several generations of people turned out, learned that that doesn't work. So yeah. now we have to try. Something else, and Lee Jed starts off on a real good footing there. Where do we close it out?
1: Let's just talk about what God actually does do. Um, we we do live in this imperfect, broken world, and you will be tempted. And as exactly as Jed says, it's true about you. It's true about me. It's true about everybody. Um, our choices have real consequences. Yeah, and this is a screwed up, messed up world. You will be tempted, and the choices that you make have real consequences. God is not out to get you. Um, the beautiful news of scripture, and I found this to be true in my own experience, is that God in every situation in which I am tempted in my ridiculous thinking and in the in, and in my ridiculous appetites and all all of it, you know, all of it put together and my, my weird idiosyncrasies, neuroses, whatever, um, to make some stupid decision that will, you know, be bad for me or for somebody else. Um, and be painful, and, and and lead away from health, and all of that stuff. In the midst of that, what God is doing patiently is, he is always offering me an exit ramp that will lead to more life, more health, more peace, more fulfillment. That's what God is up to. Um, in In every situation in which my own thinking would lead me you know just into some terrible, stupid decision. Um, God offers um wisdom, patience, gentleness, and an alternative, an alternative that would take me into more fulfillment, more kindness, more joy, more peace, more courage, like God is always um at the at the door saying there is something that you can do in the midst of this moment. Um, it's gonna take courage. It may mean you have to stand up to somebody, it may mean you have to say a hard thing, it may mean you have to be you you may have to deny yourself something, but it's going to lead to more fulfillment and more peace and and uh and and more joy. That's what God is up to. Whoever told you that God is tempting you, um, in other words, like playing games with you. Really is what is what this person is saying is that is that God is playing games with you to see, you know, how faithful you are to, or to see if you really care about him or something like that. That's not the kind of dude God is. Um he's the kind of person, he's the he's the kind of person who is saying, "I know that you're being tempted and I know that it seems like a good idea. I want to offer you wisdom and an exit strategy that's going to lead to some more fulfillment." that's what God's up to because he cares about you. He cares about your health. He cares about your sense of fulfillment. He cares about your sense of peace. He cares about your sleep. He cares about you. That's what God's up to.
0: Yeah, I think great, great stuff from both these guys. And I would, I would take you back to a word Lee used uh, in the previous answer that, that Jed uh, tied in this one of that interrogation. It's, it's very important, um, both in these theological concepts, but I think it is something we do not use as much as we ought when we're thinking about temptation. Um, this, I, I think, the kind of very stripped down idea of temptation, which this uh, idea of God tempting you as some kind of test, or again the kind of weird work out right? of well, God never tempts you, but he lets the devil do it, and you know it's a real A B. Are you passing? Are you holy enough today to move on things? That kind of door number one or door number two, what are you going to do? And that really oversimplifies temptation because if we ask some questions, if we interrogate it, um, the answer, I, I think we often ask the wrong question, which is why did I do that? Or why did I, why did this person do that? Here's the answer to that question a hundred times out of a hundred because they wanted to, Mm -hmm. Yep. you know, uh, sometimes there's, you know, why did that guy steal a loaf of bread? And I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm talking about uh, as Rob, but you know, I don't know the first name. Les (laughs) Rob, Somebody who's backed into a corner, they had to. But for the most part, if you are a a member of a dominant culture, if you are well-fed and you're basically just taking care of, the answer of why did I do this instead of that is because that's what I wanted to do. Which leads to another question. Why did you want to do that? What did you think you were going to get out of it? Why did you want to do that instead of the thing that you thought might be a better idea? These are very, very good questions to ask. And as both these guys have pointed out, when you take the, oh, I am fortune's fool route, it just denies you any learning experience you could get right. from a temptation because the, the learning is in the questions. learning isn't in beating yourself up. It's not in being in some weird um, struggle against the almighty where you are trying to escape his traps and... Uh, come out on top, having outwitted him and shown your your worthiness to go back to weird uh, Greek mythology versions of things. We all screw up. We all have a capacity in us to do things that uh, we shouldn't do. We know we shouldn't. We know are harmful. But the growth and the the wisdom is in the why, is in asking questions. And when you shortcut that process to just God is out to get me, and I was never it was never going to happen, then you really really miss out on a lot of what can come. From that. All right. If you have a question for us at podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. You want to keep that entirely anonymous tag of the song this week. This is recorded many years ago live at the bridge. This is Jed leading them in one of the bridge and always, always, always thanks for listening. Just remember, we yeah. love you, God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
3: from and jesus how a shudder as they come undone it feels like i'm falling and my hope is gone and you're sure the one who's held me up all along god your hand is always on me even Something that could stop your love Like how I'm good too little Or I'm bad too much But you whispered to me None of the above Cause there is no sin Or circumstance That can take me